in a world where movies are abundant, but podcasts are, well, well, podcasts are also abundant, comes another podcast about movies. You're listening to Stop Talking During Movies. Hey, what's up, everybody? Welcome to episode six of Stop Talking During Movies. I'm your host. SYQ, also known as Jesse Luke, also known as the Juice Hunter. I don't even know what that means. Um, Alright, before we jump into this, I'm going to rank the last five movies that I watched on this episode. No bad movies this time. So, it's probably going to be a short episode since I only like talking a lot about bad movies, it seems. Um, but before I jump into that, I did something... You know those moments when you're a parent and you you do something and you realize right after you did it, like, you may have messed up, you may have scarred your child for life? I had a minor one of those, and it hurts my heart. Literally hurts my heart. Like watching Inside Out when the little girl's imagination land or whatever collapses and you just want to cry. Oh, So, I'm talking to my daughter. She's 10 years old, and we're talking about movies. We're talking about, I allowed her, now, this might this might um, make you think that I'm a bad parent, but she is super obsessed with Harley Quinn, and I don't think she's obsessed with Harley Quinn in terms of actually Harley Quinn. She doesn't know much about her at all. She just likes the way she looks, um, and I guess the trailers that she's seen of Suicide Squad a couple years ago, and um, uh, what's it called? The Fabulous Emancipation of One Harley Quinn, blah, 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 Bird of Prey. Um, so I had just watched that movie. Um, and the main reason why I watched the movie, one, I, I kind of wanted to watch it. I wanted to like it. I was interested in it. But also I wanted to watch it to see if it was okay for her to watch. Because she really wanted to watch it. She hasn't seen Suicide Squad. Um, she has not seen Suicide Squad. But she really wanted to see Birds of Prey. So we watched it and we saw and we're like, oh, it's not too bad. She, I mean, there's some bad parts in there. And I knew that if I was watching it with her, we could keep her away from the face pilling scene. Um, but so we, I allowed her to watch it. And then we were talking about it a day or two after she'd watched it. And she loved it. She loved Harley Quinn. And she watches, like watching her watch movies reminds me of, I just wish I could watch movies the way she watches movies, the way I used to watch movies when I was a kid. I would watch these horrible movies. I'd go to like Blockbuster or Movie Buffs or um, any of those other movie rental places and I'd rent like the mo- most beest of beest movies. These really bad star um, sci-fi movies, these really bad like Three Ninjas and Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles and I loved all these like really bad movies but i loved them and i loved watching them i didn't critique them i didn't say oh that was a tropey character or this this scene wasn't done well the directing wasn't good the the cinematography was subpar none of that it was just pure enjoyment of movies for the dream-like uh trance that it puts you in you're dreaming while awake you know i just loved it and she's watching harley quinn like that and she's saying things like Oh, look at her shirt. It says Quinn and Harley and Harley Quinn across it. And she's like looking at these minor details that I don't even think about. And she's in love with it. She loves this character. And so we're talking about it a couple days after. And I tell her, I say, hey, you sh- I, can g- I can download this app for you. She doesn't have a phone or anything uh, yet. But I said, I could download this app for you. Or I can make you an account on Letterboxd. 
and you could and I could put it on your tablet or whatever and you could ch uh, jot down all the movies or mark all the movies that you watch and then that way you'll have like a list of movies you've seen and she's not super into it she doesn't want to rank movies she doesn't or rate movies or anything like that she and she's not super into it but we're talking about it and for some dumb reason I open up my letterboxed account and I'm going through it and I'm showing her what it is what it's like and all the movies that I've rated and everything like that and she sees right at the top my rating of Harley Quinn of Birds of Prey the fantabulous emancipation of one Harley Quinn now I didn't hate the movie I kind of liked it I rated it two and a half out of five stars and her mouth just dropped she was like why do you what is this why is this so low and she's very angry about it so this is not the part that makes me feel like a bad parent. Not that part. It's coming up. I'm getting to it. Sorry. Wasting time here. What are we? Four minutes in and I'm wasting all this time. So we talk about the movie and, and it's a great conversation. I actually like this part. She, we talk about, I talk about what I didn't like about it, but what I loved about it. And I love Harley Quinn. I think she's a great character. We're talking about it. Basically the, the, the spiel that I gave on the last episode. And then she's telling me a few things she doesn't like about it. And it's awesome. It's this great conversation. But then we start scrolling through my letterbox and she sees Hocus Pocus, the 1990s movie Hocus Pocus. She sees my rating of Hocus Pocus, which is one and a half out of five stars. And she is hurt. It's not even like a playful, why did you rate Birds of Prey so poorly? She's, why is Hocus Pocus so low? And she is really hurt and I'm hurt at this point. I'm like, oh no. She loves Hocus Pocus. Her and her mom love Hocus Pocus. We just got done watching it uh, recently, and I loved watching it with them, but it's a silly, absurd, bad movie. Um, and I have no problem with people liking this movie. It's just not for me. And I love that they like it, and I'm it makes me happy. But then she sees that I hate it. Or not hate it, but I just don't like it at all. And she is hurt by it. She's sad. You can tell she's visibly like, looking at me differently in a way like why would you not like this movie and I feel so horrible and I'm so I'm start trying to like backpedal and oh you know look at look at in my review like I wrote down some a few words and I wrote how much I love the fact that you and your mom love this movie and I'm trying to convince her but I'm, I'm thinking about it today I've been thinking about it ever since and I'm like oh my god what a bad dad what a bad fucking dad and I'm I feel so bad about that Oh, I wish I would have just not brought up the goddamn app. Who gives a crap? She's not going to want to rate all her damn movies. <sighs> well, I thought I'd just share that with you guys. Sorry. Um, it's just been on my mind. It's related to movies and it makes me sad. <sighs> I wish we could get back into theaters. I wish we could get back into the goddamn movie theaters. I know there's COVID. I know the zombie apocalypse is going on. We got to be safe. We all got to be heroes. We got to wear our goddamn masks. I get it. I get it. I fucking get it. But I miss being in the goddamn theaters with, with the beautiful, beautiful popcorn. Even though there's those sociopath psych psychos in the goddamn movie theater that insist on talking during movies. These goddamn Nazis, these goddamn ISIS supporter people that like to get on their cell phones during movies. I would even, I, I, I miss it. I miss it. I want to be back in the theaters. So I'm hoping we can open up those goddamn theater soon right now i'm stuck at home watching a bunch of movies which is great but um if you listen to last episode i talked about a movie called lady macbeth 
wait, was that last episode? God damn it. I, I don't know if it was, but uh, a movie um, starring Florence Pugh and my wife walked out, out on it at the end of the movie because of a character dying and she was really upset with me for making her watch that movie and witness that and put that putting that in her mind. And so I've given her the power, the, the power of the remote. And she gets to choose the next three movies that I watch. So next episode, I'll be talking about uh, Random Chick Flick 1, Random Chick Flick 2, and maybe, if I'm lucky, uh, Queen and Slim. Is that, the, is that what that movie's called? Queen and Slim? Yeah. She wants to watch that movie, so we will probably I'll probably be talking about that movie next week. And maybe a few goddamn bad movies. She likes to pick like the most marshmallowish, marshmallowy, fluffy of movies that drive me insane. But I might be talking about those before I get into the five movies I'm talking about really quick. This is not related to movies, but it's directed by Alex Garland. Devs, devs on Hulu. If you haven't seen this, it's worth um, getting Hulu for at least one month. I think you can get a free trial anyways. Get it. It's eight episodes long, I believe. And it's a miniseries directed by Alex Garland, who directed Ex Machina, Annihilation. It's about... Oh, I, here's the thing. You need to go into this show not knowing much about it. You need to go into the movie knowing only that it's about the future or the near future and technology and artificial intelligence and things like this and, and uh, science and where this could lead. Um in terms of creating more and power, more and more powerful machines. Very, very good series. I'm very glad I watched it. Um, I kind of want to talk about the problems I had with it. Not that it was bad. It was great. But there was a, an issue I had with it, and I tried to look it up online. I couldn't find any, any uh, discussion of it. And I should probably just stop talking about it because I can't say what it is. But needless to say, I did find a computer scientist that I think he was a computer scientist. He was somebody very educated in, in this field. And he was talking about the exact same plot hole, let's say, that I was seeing. And so I felt vindicated. But it's still a great, 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 great series. Highly recommend. All right, enough rambling to myself like a psychopath. Let's get into the last five movies that I watched. Um, like I said, no bad movies here. Um last couple episodes that I've been rambling to myself, I've, I've played a few bad, uh, I've talked about a, ba a few bad movies, but this time, nothing but good movies. I'm going to start first with a very, 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 very funny movie. 2010's The Other Guys, directed by Ma Adam McKay. Uh, you may know Adam McKay as the director of The Big Short, Vice, Anchorman, Step Brothers, Anchorman 2, Talladega Nights. Very, very, very funny movies. Vice was in my top 10 a couple of years ago. Uh, the Big Short, great film. I haven't done my top 10 from that year, that year, but I'm sure that would make, uh, may probably make the top 10. Great movies, great comedic director. Starring Will Ferrell, um, Mark Wahlberg, Eva Mendes, Samuel L. Jackson's in here, The Rock's in here, Michael Keaton, Ain't Too Proud to Beg's in here. Um, very, very funny movie. The other guys. I'm going to play a quick clip from this movie. That This movie is just one of those movies that is non-stop laughter. I forgot how funny this movie was. I just rewatched it randomly. This is a rewatch for me. Actually, come to think of it, I think all these movies that I'm going to talk about are rewatches for me. That's what you do during the coronavirus. You rewatch a bunch of movies. 
and and do that instead of watch, reading books and becoming more intelligent. I think you're a fake cop. The sound of your piss hitting the urinal? It sounds feminine. Mm -hmm. If we were in the wild, I would attack you. Even if you weren't in my food chain, I would go out of my way to attack you. If I were a lion and you were a tuna, I would swim out in the middle of the ocean and freaking eat you. And then I'd bang your tuna girlfriend. Okay, first off, a lion swimming in the ocean? Lions don't like water. If you'd placed it near a river or some sort of fresh water source, that makes sense. But you find yourself in the ocean, 20-foot wave, I'm assuming it's off the coast of South Africa, coming up against a full-grown 800-pound tuna with his 20 or 30 friends, you lose that battle. You lose that battle nine times out of ten. And guess what? You've wandered into our school of tuna, and we now have a taste of lion. We've talked to ourselves. We've communicated yeah. and said, you know what? Lion tastes good. Let's go get some more lion. We've developed a system to establish a beachhead and aggressively hunt you and your family. And we will corner your your pride, your children, your offspring. How are you going to do that? We will construct a series of breathing apparatus with kelp. We will be able to trap certain amounts of oxygen. It's not going to be days at a time, but an hour, hour 45, no problem. That will give us enough time to figure out where you live, go back to the sea, get more oxygen, and then stalk you. You just lost your own game. You're outgunned and outmanned. Did that go the way you thought it was going to go? Nope. Oh! 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 So he pours coffee on him at the end. God damn it. That movie is so goddamn funny. Dirty Mike and the Boys. Uh, if you don't know what Dirty Mike and the Boys is, um, you, ha you, got, you got to learn about soup kitchens, dude. If you don't know about soup kitchens, how are you supposed to know about movies? The Other Guys, very good movie. Or I, my official rating of that I rated it on Letterbox, good movie, I would say. Um, silly, very. Let me let me just read you really quick. This is my uh, my review of the movie. Stupid, but very funny. And I think that's completely sums up this movie. Very dumb, but very very funny. <laughs> I just try. I'm just thinking of how it ends. It's just so goddamn absurd and stupid, but extremely funny. All right. Next movie I watched, it's The Apocalypse, right? So why not watch apocalyptic films? Um, I had seen this movie a long time ago, um, but I forgot all about it. Didn't really remember um, much about it. I just remember thinking this was different. It was unique. The movie is 28 Days Later. Uh, 28 Days Later, uh, directed by Danny Boyle um, from 2002. Um Danny Boyle, you may know him from a few other films, Train, Train Spotting, Yesterday, which came out a couple years ago, or was that last year? I think it was, yeah, last year, Yesterday, about a movie, or it's about a world where the Beatles no longer exist, and a man becomes famous playing Beatles songs, 127 Hours, Steve Jobs, um, but one of my all-time favorite movies, or at least it was, I have to go back and rewatch this one, Slumdog Millionaire. For a long time, that was one of my favorite movies. Um, but 28 Days Later, a very good movie. Um, let me see, is that my official rating of it? Yeah, very good. Uh, three and a half out of five. I think it's a one of the best zombie movies I've ever seen, if not the best zombie movies. I would like to do that one day. Top five or top ten zombie movies. Um, 
it's it's really good. They kind of reinvented the the genre here, where the zombies don't move slow and and plodding and methodically like a lot of zombies do in other uh, movies, especially at the time. Um, they're fast. They're quick. They're insane. They're kind of like um, ultra human in a way, where they just don't get tired. They extremely fast. But the one thing I noticed about this movie, and I may have watched a bad version of it, but the movie was extremely poor of of extremely poor quality in terms of um what it was shot on it looked like it was shot on video i don't i look tried to look into it a little bit online but i couldn't find anything definitive i found a few things that people were saying but the movie looked really bad um it looked like it was shot on like a home vhs camcorder at times um not that it wasn't set up right not that it wasn't lit well not that it didn't have great acting and and uh had a broad scope to it like it didn't look small in terms of budget i mean they had some shots where the entire city streets were empty and cars turned over and everything and it looked good that way but just some of the scenes in in the dark where it's very fuzzy and um a lot of artifacts and um just looked bad so i don't know if i watched a bad version of it but it was on amazon i rented it i rented this movie bought uh paid for it so it it's odd if if it was if it was like a bad version or something i don't understand but a lot of good things about this movie um there were a few problems i had with it uh as with most movies i guess but like you know the end you just get a, a lot of zombies it, kind of the same thing i was when i was talking about um, the descent on the last episode where you get these creatures in this case zombies just coming at the characters yelling and screaming with uh, lightning you you hear thunder and lightning in the background and it's just an avalanche of that near the end of the movie which uh, I don't know I found tiresome just kind of like okay um, also a lot of the character, I mean, it was a small movie. It was just a small little movie. So you don't get a lot of, spend a lot of time with the characters in terms of knowing who they are and, and caring for them. Um, but overall, I mean, it was just a very interesting and different type of movie and compelling, compelling all the way through. I think, uh, the number three movie that I watched over the last five, this movie used to be one of my all time favorite movies. Mostly because, well, I, th I think it's effective. Let's I'll just say the movie, The Patriot from 2000, starring Mel Gibson, directed by Ro Ronald Emmerich. Um, I think that's how you say his name. Uh, director of uh, Independence Day, The Day After Tomorrow, 2012, Godzilla, the old, the bad Godzilla, Stargate, which was another one of my childhood favorites, and, and several other movies. And you get the sense with this movie this director's fingerprints are all over this movie. It, it's, it's very much in that vein, in that type of movie vein, I guess, where there's a lot of sentimentality, a lot of melodramatic scenes. The music is fairly overbearing. Um, but when I was younger, all of this worked so goddamn well for me. I, I loved this movie. It was like one of those movies that just stuck with me, but I was always, you know, I haven't, I haven't watched it in, forever i don't even know how long so i was like i'm gonna go back and rewatch this movie i think it just came up on netflix for free so i'm like all right i'm gonna check it out and i still love this movie i think I, there's a lot of problems with this movie in terms of the melodramatic nature there's 
a lot of the music is just the music and the rah 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 patriotism which is fine and it can be done well but it, it's just over the top here and a, another one of my pet peeves is violence in movie which violence in movies with if it's done poorly in this movie there's a lot of battle scenes and violence it's done extremely well i i was like jesus christ this is a brutal movie this is um very well done there's some very real drama in this movie but the problem is is there's a very there's a lot of melodramatic scenes as well and a lot of bad violence in this movie as well not a lot i would say just some that's why i really love this movie still i think there's some pet peeves that i have with it but for the most part it's just very well done um in terms of making you feel like you're there giving you characters to despise giving you characters to like mel gibson is so i don't, I don't want to say underrated i think everybody knows he's a very good actor he just, you know, he has a lot of controversy around him and I know he's canceled right now and I know I can't, I'm not supposed to like him. And I know I just watched the Louis CK special and it was fucking awesome. And I know that's wrong. And I know I'm canceled too, but Mel Gibson is supposed to be canceled. We're not supposed to like Mel Gibson, but he's a very good actor. He, he brings together a lot. He not brings together. He pulls from a, a very deep well of emotion, I think here. And and the script and the story gives you a lot to care about, gives you a lot of tragedy to um, mull over, a lot of tragedy to deal with here. And I, and I remember when I first watched this movie back in the day, I, I had thought a character, a certain character had died early on or about midway through the movie. And it was like heartbreaking to me at the time. I was like, what kind of goddamn movie is this? It's fucked up. Why is this person dead? Um, and then I find out that that person did not die. In fact, it, it, that, that person was still alive. I don't want to say who it is because then, you know, spoiler, but even without, without that, after I'd watched it again, I still liked it. And then now rewatching it 10, 15 years later, I still really, really like this movie. Um, the Patriot. What is this? Prisoner exchange. He has 18 of our officers. Who is he? I recognize He's the commander of the militia. Your ghost. Say that sort, Colonel! He rode in under a white flag for a formal parley. This is madness. If you harm him, you condemn our officers. General, with respect, sir, he's killed as many officers in the last two months. He has shown no aggression here, hence he cannot be touched. Has he not? You! Are you the ghost, are you? I remember you, and that farm, that stupid little boy. Did he die? Hmm? You know, it's an ugly business, doing one's duty. But just occasionally, it's a real pleasure. Before this war is over, I'm going to kill you. Why wait? Soon. Yeah, very reminiscent of Ridley Scott's Gladiator there, I think. Um, what what this this little scene leads to later on in the movie is one of the problems i have with it which is giant battle scenes 
where every there's a, a huge melee of fighting going on all around and chaotic battle going on people all fighting with each other and then right in the middle of all that chaos you have two men who just so happen to be the protagonist and antagonist doing battle with each other mono mono one-on-one fairly undistracted by what's going on around them don't like that kind of cheesy and annoying not i'm not saying that happens in this movie because that would be a spoiler but what i am saying is it's almost it, it is a 20 year old movie and what i also am saying is the rest of the movie is well worth watching even if it was spoiled so if it did happen then which i'm not saying it is or that it did but something like that happening in a movie is fairly annoying. It happened in a movie called a little tiny independent movie called the dark Knight rises. And it was fairly annoying there. And that movie also what I would consider is a great movie, just like I consider this movie, a great movie with some considerable flaws, but in term, but not necessarily a flaw. I, I don't even think maybe it is, but it's more of like a stylistic approach to filmmaking and a stylistic approach to storytelling where it's maybe maybe the maybe they're not going for realism they're going for action they're going for rah 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 and excitement and damn i feel good watching this movie that's what they're going for um which brings me back to how my daughter and i used to watch movies when i was a kid which maybe that's good that's the way you should watch movies none of this nitpicky bullshit i'm feeling really nostalgic and sentimental right now because i was a bad dad um but the patriot i think is a great movie um very held up for me it could be that i'm biased uh because this movie just hits all my biases i love this era um i love i not gonna say love but i really really like mel gibson as an actor um but it just hit all the right notes for me minus a few you know problems that i have with it but the patriot very very good movie god damn i am rambling the number two movie that I watched, um, also an apocalyptic movie, um, but we're all dealing with this COVID thing. So I thought, what better way to spend the time than to watch Contagion, Steven Soderbergh's uh, Contagion um, from, what is that, 2011. When you watch this movie and you compare it to what's going on now, and I'm sure a lot of people have watched this movie. I mean, if you think about who has won during this COVID virus who's the winners of this whole corona thing it's goddamn contagion it's steven soderbergh or it's whoever's getting paid for this movie because this movie is probably being played and and watched more than it ever has been before because of how it relates to what's going on right now and it it nails it so goddamn much the only thing it doesn't nail which uh which left this reviewer cold was it didn't mention toilet paper once but other than that, it got everything goddamn right. I'm going to play a scene from this movie that illustrates, you know, just kind of a, a lot of the tone of the movie, but also just ha- how this movie was talking about this, uh, this type of issue that we're going through now, um, a pandemic, you know, 10 years ago, nine years ago. I think we need to consider closing the schools down. And who stays home with the kids? People that work at stores government workers, people that work at hospitals. When will we know what this is? What causes it? What cures it? Things that keep people calm. What we need to determine is this. For every person who gets sick, 
how many other people are they likely to infect? So for seasonal flu, that's usually about one. Smallpox, on the other hand, it's over three. Now, before we had a vaccine, polio spread at a rate between four and six. Now, we call that number the R naught. R stands for the reproductive rate of the virus. Any ideas what that might be for this? How fast it multiplies depends on a variety of factors. The incubation period, how long a person is contagious. Sometimes people can be contagious without even having symptoms. We need to know that too. And we need to know how big the population of people susceptible to the virus might be. So far that appears to be everyone with hands, a mouth, and a nose. Once we know the r not, we'll be able to get a handle on the scale of the epidemic. So there you have Kate Winslet's character um, going over a, a lot of the terms we're using nowadays, just in our vocabulary. It's in the zeitgeist, the r not value, the incubation period. This movie is so spot on. I mean, I could see people watching this movie uh, more paranoid and uh, conspiracy theory minded people just they're all in on it, bro. They're all in on it, dude. Obama created it back in 2011. Steven Soderbergh's in on it, bro. The fucking earth is flat, dude. The earth is flat and they're turning the frogs gay, bro. Like it, it, look at contagion, bro. Like it's so spot on. It's it's and also what this movie does also very, very well is death. It There's a scene in this movie where a character dies early on. And there's a, oh my God, I, I don't even know how to, okay, so I'm gonna, I'll, I'll try to say it as vague as possible. A character dies and you see um, the other characters dealing with this and then it cuts to that person's autopsy and that person getting their, their head cut into and it's disturbing. It's shocking. It's disturbing. And the way that death is handled in the hospital, there's a scene with uh matt damon i'm gonna play that scene i wasn't even planning on doing this whole no i can't play that scene ah yeah i can it's in the trailer i'm doing it so it's kind of a spoiler this is a uh, character dies matt damon if you haven't seen the movie maybe skip ahead three minutes but matt damon's uh a character dies and matt damon is reacting to this death and it is so goddamn authentic it's so real it's so good, it's so subtle, but it's so perfect. I, I absolutely loved it. So, um, despite all her efforts, she failed to respond. Okay. And her heart stopped, and right. unfortunately, she did die. Right. I'm sorry, Mr. Hamal. I know this is hard to accept. Okay. Can I go talk to her? Mr. Hamal, I'm sorry. Your wife is dead. I mean, I, I just, I just saw her. We, we, we were just at home. Is there somebody that we can call? Someone who you think should be here with you? Um, we, we, we had, we had dinner. We had pizza. She, she, she said she was jet lagged. You, you mentioned that she was away, Hong Kong. We checked the latest bulletins. The only things there were measles and H1N1, and this was not that. Then what was it? We don't always know. I mean, some people get a disease and live. Some get sicker and die. Now, we're going to have to notify the medical examiner, and they may request an autopsy. Or if you wish, we can order one. But I, I can't guarantee it's going to tell you any more than I can. I mean, my best guess is that this was either meningitis or encephalitis. And with encephalitis, we're in the dark a lot of the time. 
If it was summer, I might say a, a bug bite, you know, West Nile. Herpes can cause encephalitis. She didn't have herpes. What are you talking about? Okay. What happened to her? What happened to okay. her? Okay, okay. Mr. off. there are grief counselors who are very helpful with this sort of passing. Okay, you might find some resolution there. Now I am sorry. A uh, very, very good movie. Very well worth the watch. So I watched this movie two nights in a row um, because I watched it alone the first night and then I was kind of blown away by it because I, I had watched it back when it first came out. Um, I am having deja vu. Did I talk about this on an episode already? I don't know. But I watched it when it first came out and really, really liked the movie. And, but I, but I, and I remember a few scenes, that scene I remember, I remember there's an autopsy scene, I remember that one, um, but I didn't remember a lot about it, so I, you know, and it's a perfect time to rewatch it now, so I rewatched it, and I was kind of blown away by it, and I think it might have been the whole atmosphere, you know, you're going to the, the supermarket nowadays, and everybody's wearing a mask, and all the toilet paper's goddamn gone, can't go to the movies, you know, it's, it's crazy out there, it's never been like this before. So that might have been creeping in with me a little bit, but I was really blown away by this movie. So I wanted to watch it again with my wife. The next night we watched it, I told her, I was like, you got to watch this movie. I know we've seen it before. We watched it in the theater when it came out, but let's rewatch it. Um, very pertinent to what's going on nowadays. And um, I, I loved it the second time as well. Maybe not quite as much. I um, Maybe that's just that another thing where it's you're caught up in the atmosphere. If you watch a movie for the second time in a, in a row, like two nights in a row, maybe it doesn't have that effect on you as much. But um, it's it's just such a great movie. It just hit, hits home with what's going on now, and then the emotional aspect of it is very good as well. I think it nailed the landing. It nailed the end. Um, just a very, very good movie. I highly recommend that. Well, you know what? I don't recommend... I do recommend this movie, but this movie's made enough goddamn money. I'm sure it's... I'm sure it's the highest grossing movie of 2020, and it came out in 2011. Um, Contagion. Very, very, very good movie. Uh, great movie, or exceptional movie by my ranking. All right, the number one movie that I watched out of the last five, and I swear I'm not going to turn this podcast into a Quentin Tarantino-themed podcast, but last week... I watched uh, Django Unchained, and I talked about that on the last episode. And afterwards, and uh, and you know, I, I as I said on the last episode, Django would be you know top twenty five movies of all time for me. But after I watched that, I was seduced my by, by uh, Quentin Tarantino. I was seduced by that sexy, handsome bastard, as my wife would say. Now I only say that because I know my wife will never listen to this. But if she does listen to this, she will point out the fact that she thinks Quentin Tarantino is a hideous hideous man. So that's why I put that in there. But I was seduced by Tarantino into watching Inglorious Bastards. Now, if I love if I love Django Unchained, then then I I I King Speech. Um I I don't even know what's more than love. I I I adore it. I don't know. It's one of my all-time favorite movies, Inglorious Bastards. Um, yeah, easily top 10, maybe top five movies of all time. Now, if you don't agree with me, I didn't agree with myself when I first watched it. I thought it was a little bit 
I don't know. I, I can't remember. One of my main problems with it was that it had that Quentin Tarantino style where the music is not of the same era, where the violence is uh, crazily done over the top. And I remember thinking at the time, the first time I watched it, ah, kind of kind of not good, kind of taken away from being a, a artful film about reality. But that was the wrong way to view his movies. His movies are, that's a style. That's a style of movie that he's, he's trying to, um, he's trying to do this. He's trying to put that out there. The, the music will bump you the first time you're watching it. Like the rap music in Django, that kind of bumps you. It's like, there's no rap music in the slave days, but, and there's no eighties music in, in world war two. Like what the fuck are you doing, Quentin Tarantino? But if you watch it a second or third time, you know I've probably seen it about five times, which is I know it's like a big uh, waste of time. I understand that. I could have been reading books on physics or uh, politics or philosophy or something, but I'm watching Jane or uh, Inglorious Bastards for the fifth time. But once you do, those kind of things don't bump you as much. At least they don't for me. Um, I think that also Tarantino movies kind of lack that real humanity in them, but that's not what he's going for. He's not trying to portray a true humanity to any of his characters. Like none of these characters have a depth of humanity to them. I don't think, I think they are very interesting. All of them are very compelling. Nobody builds tension and, and uh, attention and, intrigue like Tarantino does with dialogue the way he crafts scenes there's a scene in the middle of this movie that's a very very long scene and it's portraying a bunch of characters that we have no idea who they are we haven't we've seen maybe one of them before but there's a bunch of characters we we don't know we're just barely introduced to them and small spoiler alert they're not going to be in there for the entire movie but this scene is so goddamn compelling and the tension is so real and there's just so many great scenes like that throughout this movie. Um, uh, once again, in a Tarantino, in, in Tarantino fashion, there's a strong female character in this movie that, like I said, the second and third, by the third time I watched this movie, what she accomplishes is so goddamn poetic. It's, uh, I can't talk about how great this movie is in terms of its metaphor and it's, and it's a uh, poetry of, of cinema overcoming overcoming the evils of the world it, it's kind of it's tarantino trying to illustrate that that's a, that's the subtext to the movie that cinema and and that movies and film can can do things with reality that can take can not not necessarily take you away from it but just paint it in a beautiful light and i think he does that with this movie and he does it with cinema in the movie not just talking about the movie itself with cinema in the movie he overcomes one of the biggest evils in human history and i and i love that i think it's so great i didn't really think about that the first time i watched it i kind of was just you know taken aback by the story and how great it was the dialogue everything about you know the way it looks the time travel aspect to the movie not that they do time travel but that i'm taken back to 1945 Germany, 1944 Germany. It's just so beautiful. I, I love this movie. Um, the opening scene, if I had to say, if I had to like rank or give my number one favorite all time opening scene to a film, it's probably Inglorious Bastards 
with uh, Christoph Waltz character who was also in Django Unchained. Talked about him last week. Um, he is a he is a Jew hunter. That's what he's called, the Jew hunter. He's he's hunts down Jews and he sends them to um, concentration camps. Basically, he's just this really evil, evil, evil bastard, but very charming and very compelling like you just want to watch this guy I, you could you could have an entire film or film franchise about this character um and he is he just he comes upon this how i was going to play this scene by the way but i realized most of it was not in english and also i think this scene is better watched i think it's better watched without much information going in going into it so i'm not even going to tell you what happens but he goes to this small french house and the scene starts there. He's, he's talking to a French man um, in his little cottage or house or whatever it is. And it's so goddamn great. It's it's a beautiful opening to this movie. And there are scenes like the, that throughout this entire movie. Utterly, uh, I, I say utterly way too much. It's just a complete masterpiece. I love Inglorious Bastards. Um, I don't know if Quentin Tarantino is my favorite director of all time, but I do know that every mo- I've never watched a movie of his and not liked it. Um, and in Glorious Bastards, like I said, easily, if I ever do a top 10 all time on here, on this podcast, I'm almost certain Inglorious Bastards is on that list. Um, yeah, I love Inglorious Bastards. My name is Lieutenant Aldo Rain, and I'm putting together a special team, and I need me eight soldiers. Eight. Jewish American soldiers. Now y'all might have heard rumors about the Armada happening soon. Well, we'll be leaving a little earlier. We're gonna be dropped into France dressed as civilians. Once we're in enemy territory, as a bushwhacking guerrilla army, we're gonna be doing one thing and one thing only. Killing Nazis. Now I don't know about y'all, but I sure as hell didn't come down from the goddamn Smoky Mountains, cross 5,000 miles of water, fight my way through half of Sicily, and jump out of a fucking aeroplane to teach the Nazis lessons in humanity. Nazi ain't got no humanity. They're the foot soldiers of a Jew-hating, mass-murdering maniac, and they need to be destroyed. That's why any and every some bitch we find wearing a Nazi uniform, they're gonna die. Now, I'm the direct descendant of the mountain man, Jim Bridger. That means I got a little engine in me. And our battle plan will be that of an Apache resistance. We will be cruel to the Germans. And through our cruelty, they will know who we are. And they will find the evidence of our cruelty in the disemboweled, dismembered, and disfigured bodies of their brothers we leave behind us. And the German won't be able to help themselves. But imagine cruelty their brothers endured at our hands and our boot heels and the edge of our knives and the German will be sickened by us and the German will talk about us and the German will fear us and when the German closes their eyes at night and they're tortured by their subconscious for the evil they have done it will be with thoughts of us that they are tortured with sound good yes sir that's what I like to hear. But I got a word of warning for all you would-be warriors. When you join my command, you take on debit. A debit you owe me, personally. Each and every man under my command owes me 100 
Natchy, scalps. And I want my scalps. And all y'all will get me 100 Natchy scalps, taken from the heads of 100 dead Natchies. Or you will die trying. Inglorious Bastards. One of the all-time greats. I love this movie. Um, God, I don't know. There is a scene in this movie, and I can't tell you when it happens, but a character says to the camera, kind of a wink at the audience, this just might be my masterpiece. And I think that is very true. This is Quentin Tarantino's masterpiece. I love this movie. And I will... I make a promise. I will not talk about a Tarantino movie for at least a couple episodes. I can't make that promise. God damn. I will try not to. Um, uh, love this movie. Five star movie. Um, yeah. Inglorious Bastards. All right. Until next time, I will be t coming at you with the next episode, probably with uh, three chick flicks and uh, maybe two chick flicks and Queen and, Queen and Slim. I think that's what it's called. And maybe a couple other good movies. But until then... Stop talking during movies, you fucks. I'm sick of people saying rap isn't music, it sucks. Yeah, y'all for the muckers, y'all are stupid as uh. I won't quit tip up the simple ass loop in your truck. Make like a child round a pedophile dude and get fucked. Uh, I'm sick of people telling me what not to rap about Like God in politics, that's not what rap's about You should talk about all the hottest fashions out You should dance around like some kind of happy clown Yeah I'm sick of the mainstream, lame ass rappers all saying the same thing, the same theme Amazing as it may seem, I daydream about the fame thing like some lame team. Cause I'm sick of being broke, like Shaq at the foul line Sick of the crap, sick of the slacking around time I'm sick of starving like the silverback when it's child time They saying, y'all, sick, get back, it's about time I'm sick of my rides and rocking these hoopties I'm sick of not being famous and not having groupies But what really makes me wanna start chopping up hoochies, all these motherfucking people that talk during movies like sick. Talk during my drama, then there's gonna be drama sick. Talk during my horror, then there's gonna be horror sick. Talk during my comedy, that don't bother me sick. When I'm watching my movie, just don't talk to me Talk during my gangsta flick, I get gangsta Talk during my sci-fi, me my lightsaber Talk during my comedy, that don't bother me sick.